Hello everybody and welcome to this As Yet Untitled Wrestling Podcast. You're going to be checking out the pilot episode here today. Uh, my name is Greg and I'm joined by my host and good friend, Garrett Winter. Hello very much. Hello very much. Hello, hello. How are you doing, Garrett? How's things? Um, as good as they can be, I suppose, uh, with the, the, the world in flames uh, as it is. Um, but it seems like wrestling is picking up. They have fans again here and there. So, uh, what better time to start a wrestling podcast? Yeah, 100%, man. And I mean, uh, like you say there, with fans returning, uh, I think for both of us and for a lot of people, wrestling has been kind of the saving grace that it's been allowed to continue in these pretty bleak times. I mean, speaking on my behalf, wrestling's always been that go-to thing for me when things have been getting a little tough and as the world continuously tries to melt into itself, it's been good to know that we can at least rely on this thing that we love very dearly. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've 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 missed having because you know you would often come over to mine to watch wrestling. We'd often go to uh, progress wrestling together, and it's been very sad that we haven't been able to do that. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I mean, that was one of the big things about when I left London. So I think it was kind of sort of explained to people who may not obviously know us that well is that we obviously met uh, when we both moved to London for university. Uh, that was about like five six years ago now for me. And it was through our mutual friend, Scott, who we love and love to death because he's just so adorable, uh, that I met you guys. And yeah, from there, it was just constantly going up to watch wrestling pay-per-views. And like I say, we went to Progress. And yeah, from there, it's just become like a really strong friendship. So we just kind of wanted to translate that into doing this podcast where generally we just want to talk about wrestling in a positive manner. Um, for myself, I feel like there are obviously so many wrestling podcasts out there. And a lot of them are obviously very positive and kind of delve into the history of the business, but I don't feel like there's too many out there that really try to hone in on the positivity and the love of it. Uh, I feel like they can be quite negative in the critique, especially when talking about like, you know, I mean, we, we all know Raw and SmackDown isn't quite what it used to be, but I feel like if we we would just want to focus in on some discussing wrestling in a positive manner here at this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've I struggle all the time because I'm always so negative about all this kind of stuff. So it really, it's it just trying to find the positives each week has has made me kind of get back into uh, into loving it. I suppose um, it has been hard to block out the bad stuff. I can't lie, uh, here and there. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, the thing is with this, like even when you we grew up as fans as younger like there was always stuff you could critique about it and you're right especially with wwe's product there is a lot there that you can get very snarky and critique about but i feel like especially this last year we've seen such uh, a return to form for like just mainstream wrestling especially now that they've got a w which generally you can't critique too heavily there's a few things here and there but they've been pretty much like a good saving grace for someone who wants like a new mainstream product they can turn to and not just rely on old faithful WWE that's a bit stuck in its ways. And then even then, WWE have always had NXT the last couple of years to kind of keep those sort of more hardcore and adult fans uh, to give them an eyes on the product for the type of wrestling they want. So I feel like there's plenty there that obviously you can delve into. And then beyond that, you've got obviously New Japan and the Indies. So I think we'll be pretty much covered for like finding stuff that we would like to talk about and obviously just go into a positive spin on it. Uh, agreed, agreed. Is there anything you want to you wanna kick off with the first segment? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to kick off with the segment we're calling the Highlight Reel. And essentially, this is just us covering any sort of uh, wrestling-based stories that we found interesting over the last couple of weeks, whether that's any sort of news announcements, any matches we were particularly fond of, any backstage segments, just generally anything that we thought was really interesting. And I thought I'd kick things off this with the latest announcement from AEW. So it, it was kind of obviously a poorly kept secret that we would eventually be getting an AEW 
AEW video game, but then on, was it Monday, I believe, uh, they held a late night uh, live stream where we did get the official announcement that uh, we would get not one, not two, but three video games, uh, the first of which is a console game, and it is going to be uh, worked on by developers Ukes, which Kenny Omega is overseeing as well, and from what they were saying in the sort of mission statement, they're looking for a game that brings wrestling games back to being fun sort of mentioned things like no mercy and virtual pro wrestling and they've also brought on the director of no mercy and japanese game legend getter so it's looking pretty good so far uh what were your kind of thoughts about that announcement um well because you know it started with the 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 sort of um steve jobs kenny jobs uh introduction kenny jobs i loved kenny jobs <laughs> and yeah I, I honestly i popped hard for the gator uh, the getter get that was a get, you know, to get getter. Um, I, I, I'm worried about the um, the combination of video game fans and wrestling fans, two of the most entitled uh, communities there are. Uh, one of the first things I saw on Twitter, is actually one of the first comments, was um, the graphics look terrible uh, of this, uh, you know, pre-production um, video game. Uh, but, but personally, I, I'm really excited for sort of a return to um arcade style um video games in like the wrestling genre i suppose and no no better person than than kenny you know like uh who obviously has a massive background in in fighting games uh, street fighter um uh, he he in japan he was in the advert for one of the newer characters in street fighter he basically played that character um and and for me, one of the most important things that he said was it's easy to pick up, but hard to master, which means that, you know, there's actually some competition to it, which there really hasn't been in any of these games for, for a long time. Yeah, 100% my I agree. I mean, uh, when you look at a person like Kenny Omega, obviously the three passions in his life are wrestling, video games, and just Japanese culture. Um, so it makes sense that he's the one overseeing everything and sort of consulting on the game. And like you said there, I'm looking forward to a game that is just going to be fun, that you can easily just pick up and play with, because some of the best things are with these games is if you've got friends over, you may not know wrestling games, you want them to be able to just pick up a controller and kind of know what they're doing. But then for like people like us who do play these games quite religiously, we want that element of challenge there. I will sort of agree to an extent with the fans about the visuals. Like You can't skate too much. It's an early development trailer. I mean, but by the fact that the last visual was basically no rendered footage, it was just the character models doing the Meltzer driver. But um, I'm, speaking of myself, I'm not a huge fan of the sort of big, sort of cartoony looking visuals that they might be going for with this. But at the end of the day, as long as the game plays well, I'll definitely be picking it up. And it's the kind of thing that, again, the good thing when AEW came along is it was the shot in the arm we needed to have that competition. But it wasn't just competition on a weekly wrestling basis or pay-per-view basis. It meant things like the video games would finally have competition after... I mean, WWE has been the sort of big leading and probably the only leading wrestling video game what since like the mid 2000s. Like we've not really had much in the way of competition. So again, it's just going to be all around great stuff for competition. Mm, I mean, the uh, the only two, um, the only three really challenges that I've ever seen to to the WWE games in the last like what twenty years is is the you know the occasional WCW game like WCW NWO Revenge. Um, that's how many tna games were there two one uh, the one that i remember um mm. uh there was one 
there was one, and it was, I mean, it was okay. I mean, the, the, the main highlight of it was the X Division match. That was actually really fun. Gameplay-wise, it wasn't too much to write home about, but there was talks of a sequel for years, and it just never materialized. And then, I suppose, recent ones would have been with the return of Virtual Pro Wrestling, uh, which which was a fantastic game. So, it's just good to see, like, lots more wrestling games coming on the market, and... I mean, next year should be generally interesting as well, just to see what the hell 2K are going to be doing with the series after they basically shit the bed with the last one. Uh, partly not their fault. Yeah, 2K20, 2K20 was very rough. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's down to them not having a budget, uh, not having the time. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they probably even cut staff during uh, during the pandemic as well. But to have that year, um, I, I mean, I, I do wonder how much of a year off it was, it was, and 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 what part of the team were working on battlegrounds, which itself wasn't exactly the strongest title. Um, but to take to take a year off from their mainline game and hopefully to to then, you know, have a longer time to to create, two uh, K or two K twenty two at that point, I suppose um fingers crossed you know yeah 100 i mean 2k look like the general i mean it, they weren't exactly left in the best situation but they didn't help themselves i mean nukes left development more or less kind of like midway through what was happening and it was a case where Ukes obviously haven't worked on it for years knew what the game was how it worked and then essentially the 2k just picked a team and went here you go finish this and they had no clue what they were doing so on the one hand, you can't blame Ukes for leaving because essentially, what like the last five entries have more or less been the same. Just a couple of new things added to it. It was it was largely the same game. So um, it was they said all along that they want to go away and do a new wrestling game because they've got loads of new ideas. And I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion that they probably eventually partner with AEW just so they can actually put a recognised brand on that game. So yeah, absolutely, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, then, of course, as well in that, they announced two other games. So the first of which was a mobile game. Well, both of them were mobile games. The first one is something I've been after for a while, which is a GM mode on mobile. And this one's been headed up by referee Aubrey Edwards, who has actually had previous history working in mobile games. So this looks really fun. We've got a trailer for that as well. I feel like uh, for a while, like obviously people have been wanting a GM mode back on console games. That's something... 2k might be looking to do because they did like a poll after the 2k 20 to see what fans would want again so you never know we might get that in the next one but i've always thought something like this would translate well to mobile game and especially in the current age you know because it's something you can keep doing on the go so i'm quite interested to see how that one's going to pan out yeah it's it's a very much sort of pick up and play uh as and when like you could sink hours and hours or you could sink 20 minutes into it uh just setting up a single show um like it's definitely something that i'd i'd play when i'd commute um i worry with all mobile games um obviously they don't have a track record yet this is their first you know foray into gaming so i can't say whether it's going to be some you know pay to win uh loot box style game fingers crossed it's sort of a you know one-off payment of like you know five ten uh on mobile uh, you know, with I'm sure there's going to be some kind of cosmetic, uh, you know, thing going on. But if if it does go down the route of, you know, your your ultimate teams or your, um, you know, when Star Wars Battlefront Two originally came out, the well, the second one originally came out, uh, and you know you you're buying 
upgrades and, and all this kind of thing. It I worry about that, but you know, it's it's far too early to say. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I mean, generally with any kind of mobile game, you've got to expect those kind of microtransactions because that's just generally how developers of mobile games will make the money back. Um, I mean, I kind of hope that it's not going to be a game that relies too heavily on it because, like I say, I've been wanting something like this for a while. Um, the closest thing that kind of exists at the moment is there's a game called uh, 80s Mania Revenge, I think it's called. Uh, it's just like a general card game, and you are basically like a booker and everything, so it's essentially like GM mode. And it's pretty fun, but again, that game's got such a heavy grind unless you're willing to fork out the money to buy the better cards to kind of upgrade your roster and keep progressing. So... Um, It'd be interesting to see. I mean, I'd love to see it as well to have some kind of obviously sort of co-op or multiplayer element, especially because that was part of the fun with the original GM mode back in the SmackDown vs. Raw series is that you could sit side by side with a friend and actually go to war with the promotion. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if they could pull something like that off as well. Yeah, yeah. No, some of my uh, fondest memories of, um, of, of back at the old flat was um, a bunch of friends coming over. We all put on suits and played... Uh, played geomodes on like uh you know old smackdown versus raws great fun yeah absolutely no absolutely massively fun and then the last game that was announced which is actually the one that's going to be releasing this winter i believe they said was the aw casino double or nothing which i mean i'm not a big fan of sort of casino gambling games but it makes sense from a brand point of view given how much they sort of market the pay-per-views towards the sort of uh casino element so it kind of makes perfect sense that they would go this route for another kind of game they sort of give to people yeah i mean you know just discussing you know it too many uh, we're worried about uh, microtransactions and everything in in the gm mode but now we move on to a game that is specifically not even just microtransactions i suppose macro transactions for a lot of people that may have a a problem um gambling wise uh well i mean we'll see it, it, we in a lot of places might not be might not even be able to get this because of uh you know local laws and regulations anyway um i mean they haven't explicitly said that it is a gambling game it is they've just basically announced that it's like well you know casino double or nothing i suppose yeah absolutely i mean there's not really saying what it is i mean all we can speculate at this point is probably is going to be I can just picture a sort of, you know, like a William Hill type app where you've got like maybe some slot machine games, things like that, you know, like cause stuff like that is legal in the UK. You can get those apps on your phone, uh, certainly parts of America as well. And then I could picture like the sort of poker element as well. But I guess we'll see what it is. I mean, it's not something I'm probably going to ever pick up. I might take a quick look at it just to see what it's like. But generally, it's not something I'm too interested in. We'll see if there's any kind of integration between the three, if there's uh, an incentive to to, to play a round of video poker so that you can get someone on your on your GM mode that will then translate to your console game. Who knows? Uh, there could be communication between the two, or between the three even. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's exciting to see what's going to be happening over the next year or so whenever these games come out, but it's exciting to be a video game fan and a wrestling fan in that regard, so really good. Um, any highlight you would like to bring up? Uh, I'm excited for Shaq uh, jumping back into wrestling, personally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I haven't managed to watch Dynamite yet, but I was sort of flicking through social media last night while it was on. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see him come in, especially as it was rumoured for years, mainly obviously the big match with WrestleMania for the big show, how that kept being rumoured and then nearly happened and then falling apart. 
Um, interesting to see it's going to be potentially against Cody from what I saw. Is that right? Yeah. Um, uh, Shaq's, I suppose, uh, manager came out. Um, she didn't cut the best promo, but you could tell she was a bit green promo-wise. But that's that's fine. Comes with the comes with the territory, I suppose. Um, then Brandy came out and and cut a pretty decent promo against her. Saved the uh, saved the segment. But um, yeah, it's Shaq against Cody is is interesting. I suppose if people want big man against uh, big man, like they they you know they wanted a big show Shaq, who I guess. I mean, Luchasaurus, maybe? Who would you put against Shaq? Oh, I mean... So that's the thing, AEW's got such a ripe roster with, like, really good big guy wrestlers. So, like I said, their Luchasaurus would be one, because that could just be quite interesting. I'd probably say Lance Archer for me. Um, He's kind of my favourite big guy wrestler, has been the last year, especially when he showed up in AEW, and he was kind of, like, the main star, especially when lockdown first hit. So the stuff with him and Jake's been great. So I would love to see... Probably them two collide. I reckon they could have a pretty good bout there as well. Uh, probably the other one would probably be Wardlow or Jake Hager as well, just to kind of throw a few of the big guy names out there. Yeah, I think because um, I I've honestly fell in love with Lance Archer in the the previous years G one. I think the first I think it might have been the first win he got, maybe even the first match was against uh, Osprey, and Archer really kind of like cemented himself there. And, and really got over with the, the Japanese crowd as well. Um, and then obviously, you know, came to AEW, uh, partnered with Jake the Snake. I think with Shaq specifically, um, and with those with those matches where it's a, a personality, you know, it's not a wrestler. It's, it's someone who's come in and has, you know, made their name somewhere else, obviously. Uh, it's, it is about having a talker. And, and having the ability to promo off of each other. So, you know, if it's a Wardlow versus Shaq, really it's going to be MJF talking to, to Shaq and then Wardlow having the match. With Archer, I don't know if they could do as good of a story. I don't know if their sort of personalities clash as well. I don't. I feel like Shaq shouldn't be as serious as, as Archer and Jake. Um, True. I mean, I think with the at least if it was with Archer, I have to, again Archer doesn't need to really say a word because he's got Jake to do that for him. Although from what I hear, Jake isn't very well at the moment, so it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be on TV that much at all in the next couple of weeks because it's quite a serious. I think he's got like a very serious. There's like a hereditary lung disease he's ended up with, so nothing to sort of obviously shy away from. It's it's pretty serious, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah, they 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 should. Definitely be very cautious of, of putting him anywhere near a live crowd during all of this. Um, I, perhaps, a, 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 you know, Taz, Ricky Starks, and uh, Brian Cage combo would be pretty good with Shaq because, you know, Taz is a great talker. Ricky Starks is pretty funny, and he's, he's decent as well. And then, obviously, Brian is, you know, a machine. Yeah, yeah, you've essentially got the two talk. Well, you've got the talker in Taz, you've got the true sort of workhorse in Ricky Starks, and then you've got Brian Cage who... Basically, you can just destroy anything and do some pretty agile stuff for a guy his size. So, I think there's a there's a few good possibilities there. Do, do you think it's going to go beyond just this one feud potentially with Cody? Do you reckon he's going to stick around, or do you reckon it's just going to be this kind of one big sort of money deal? It's, I mean, it's probably just going to be a one money deal if it even happens. Um, you know, I mean, it really could just be an introduction to. Um, uh, 
to to her joining the the women's division and i mean if that's the case and and honestly if it's just Shaq being her manager then i mean big up to them uh and and having the stones to 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 put eyes on the on the women's division which is you know really needed right now yeah 100% i mean i'm going to touch upon that anyway when we go through our full gear review cuz uh, that was a well, no spoilers yet, but that was a phenomenal show. Save for one match for me in particular, which ties into the women's division. I think you're gonna probably know what I'm talking about, but yeah, a hundred percent. We'll touch on it more, but I, I think one thing AEW needs to try and do moving forward because essentially they've had their full first year now. They're well into the second. They really need to do a shake-up on the women's division because they've got such a killer roster with the women involved, and the matches are brilliant. It's just. When it comes to something like this, you need that sort of story and something that you can sort of get behind as well, which they just haven't had that focus, to be honest. So, And they, they don't always seem keen to give them the spotlight either, especially when compared to the competition like WWE and NXT and even Impact have always like seen a bigger shift in focus to women's wrestling over the last couple of years. So it's something they really need to try and pick up on in like, going into 2021, to be honest. Yeah, um, I, I think it's like a... It's like a two-pronged thing where the the women's divisions in all of wrestling have always had an uphill battle. Like uh, even you know with the the women's evolution in WWE, even with these high-profile matches, even with Evolution, the pay-per-view itself, um, it's still an uphill battle. It's still the women's tag team is just you know a, a, an afterthought. It's it's still very difficult, but. Um, while while it's partly on a lot of the fans not giving enough time to it, it's also, you know, they need to be on more of the posters. They need to be more of a big deal. They need to be, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think yet that I can remember they've main evented uh, Dynamite. I will have to check that, but I'm pretty, I, I, I can't remember it personally is uh is an issue yeah no i think you're right there i mean like i said like you say, I, I don't think i can remember a time that they've main evented dynamite either i, th- I mean I, again we could be wrong on that but again it, i mean if it was the case that they had it just kind of goes to show that if we can't remember there's just not that much focus there so yeah i mean the the, the as is with most um companies uh it's it's like there's always double as many men's titles and and things like that as there are women's. Like the, it, there is never a, a women's tag title first, and then a, a men's tag title. It's always you know, the women's tag title comes afterwards if it ever at all appears. Um, but we should at least even if there are a hundred men to fifty women, that does at least mean that in the main event slot or in these high profile. Uh, points we should at least be seeing them one third of the time if they're as third as many of them but we you know would not at all yeah 100 percent, man no i agree i mean hopefully we will see those improvements going forward but uh at the moment it's still that's obviously remains to be seen um sort of carrying on in the last night's dynamite uh, as we're recording this uh it was announced that we will be seeing john moxley defending the belt against kenny omega on the i think it's the december 2nd edition of dynamite i was quite surprised that they would uh announce this for dynamite i mean obviously the big thing with AEW is the only run 
about four or five pay-per-views a year so you, you do get those kind of big money matches on their weekly program but part of me was expecting it to be the case that it would be at uh, revolution they'd be having the match for the belt and uh, obviously that would mark a full year with moxley being the champ and i would have thought that would have been where omega would have taken it because we're seeing his rise as the cleaner and uh again we'll go into this a full game but that match with uh, hangman was brilliant and left a lot open for their feud to continue because i think it's going to be the case Omega does win the belt and finally reaches the top and then I think Hangman would might be the one to eventually sort of uh, end that reign but put it on Dynamite I don't know it's made me kind of question if they'll be putting them on the belt then uh, what do you think I I think that um I well, I thought the same but I I I then think that that mindset is a very WWE one um where it's you know it's probably not going to change on tv and oftentimes if it does change on tv in wwe it's uh they do it because it hasn't done it in a while um or they'll do it when it's the the premiere of uh of smackdown um and at least with with this uh show I, i'm pretty sure kenny was uh, doing a promo where he said it's going to be the biggest dynamite yet which I don't really understand. It's going to be the exact same length as all the others, I believe. But, you know, um, I I think it will change hands to to Kenny there. Um, it just makes sense in the story-wise. The cleaner's back. He's turned heel. The uh, Bucks, you know, seemingly turned heel, which means we're going to get a, a, a heel elite stable. Um, and, yeah, the, the progression is definitely going to be Hangman taking it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think I think it's the right call. I mean, that's something I personally just want to say anyway. I mean, I, I am a fan of John Moxley, but not as much as everyone else. I, um, I love him for his like, you know his promo style and when he does have those quite brutal matches. But in ring, he never fully excited me. Um, and plus, I'm just loving the return of the cleaner, and I'm looking for. I mean, it's it's just been such a steady and slow rise, and I think once he finally gets that belt, we're gonna see the full on cleaner character, and I'm all for that. So, generally looking forward to see that seeing that match and see where it goes. Yeah, I, I think Moxley can, once he sort of tears away and, and finds some stories to, to, to play with, uh, like his matches, um, you know, his hardcore matches, they're, you know, uh, they're, they're sort of a special attraction, I'd say, um, and they, they really work for his character. Uh, honestly, he was more compelling to me in Japan during uh, the G1 um his whole thing where he he just grabbed a young lion and just was like all right you're mine now and and just carried him around called him shooter because his name was shota um I, I hope to see something like that maybe he makes his own stable you can sort of see the the simmering under the surface in aew of these stables uh cody's trying to make the nightmare family a stable uh you've obviously got the the dark order you've got the inner circle you've got um uh, uh penta uh phoenix butcher and blade and um uh kingston of course kingston but that's i mean that's gonna be interesting in and of itself now that packs back so you've got you've got like the kind of rival faction there then obviously the stuff with the inner circle but yeah uh, all that's gonna probably tie into when we go the full gear anyway so sure it's, it's it's still making AEW the most exciting thing to watch week by week so i'm generally looking forward to this match and seeing what happens afterwards brilliant um 
other highlight I want to bring up because this has got to be hands down my match of the year contender, and that was Walter versus Ilya Dragunov for the NXT UK title, uh, which took place about two weeks ago now. One of the most physical matches I've seen in, under the WWE umbrella in a long time, possibly ever. I mean, with certain wrestlers, obviously over certain points, there's been those quite physical matches, but not one that just looked so stiff and. They just basically murdered one another for like 30 minutes in. It was sort of um, the perfect sort of thing to sort of get more eyes on the NXT UK product, which has not exactly been one of those big things everyone seems to want to watch or talk about heavily, despite the talent being there. And um, although they've clearly had, obviously, better encounters on the indies, like with Progress and Dub X Dub, it was like the perfect sort of showcase to finally sort of show people like these two tremendous talents they've got in place. And it was one of those rare instances where, as well where having no crowd actually sort of benefited the match slightly because, my God, like every chop you heard, it was like a bullet going off. It was just ridiculously physical. It was so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was tremendous. I, I I watched it and then I saw that WWE on their socials posted a um, a video of, of a bunch of other wrestlers and and. and people looking at the match and discussing it uh sean michaels was watching it uh drake maverick um uh, uh i think it was seamus mcintyre as well were watching it just i mean everyone it was most likely watching this match um i i agree it also felt a lot hard hitting i think i just i just want i want fans back um the the worst part of the match for me was the uh, canned audience stuff. Um, it was very difficult for me to, because I would constantly hear the exact same cheer or the exact same boo, and it was very difficult to 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 focus on the on what was one of the, the greatest matches I've seen in a very very long time. Um, but other than that, goddamn, tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do agree with the kind uh, audience which they've been using heavily across all the shows. I mean, in one regard, it's it's helped a little bit to sort of have that feeling there, but it is just so blatantly obvious that it's piped in. Um, I think I think the match still was brilliant. I mean, like I say, the benefit of it was just hearing just like every shot, every move, and just like how much they were just basically going into one another. Uh, but absolutely, I think I think if this had a crowd, this would just be one of the most red hot things ever. Like it would be the kind of thing that people would just go absolutely ballistic for. And uh, like I said, I think it's just a good showcase to sort of um, get more eyes on these two because like they're probably two of the best wrestlers that under the WWE umbrella at the moment. And um, there's kind of like some truth there that the audience just aren't really aware of them. So like I'm a big collector of wrestling figures and ringside announced their exclusive Walter figure and when you were going through the uh, announcement on the comments uh, most people just didn't have a clue who Walter was and were bringing up comparisons that he looked like Dominic Mysterio which I just was like you, you people are insane you need to like, go watch NXT UK right now and find out what he's all about so hopefully there's more eyes on these two and indeed the NXT UK product even though that kind of still needs some serious reworking I think to capture the audience at once but I think we'll definitely be seeing a rematch between these two down the line, and I'd ideally like to see it on that sort of bigger platform, like maybe the main brand NXT takeover, just because it it could easily be another match of the year contender, and it will just get more eyes on these two and indeed the NXT UK product. Yeah, I mean, they could even honestly shove it on the 
like WrestleMania weekend uh, at this point. It's that good of a of a chemistry they they have, you know. Um, NXT often do very limited um, match numbers, which is great. You know, five matches is perfect. Um, but I, I really do hope they 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 slot them in there. Or you know, I I hope that we get a a UK pay per view again soon because it has been a while. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I mean, I think there's still uh, the last. What was the one that was meant to be coming up before I cancel? Was that in Dublin? I think it was Dublin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was. It was definitely in Ireland. So I think they're still trying to get that one to go ahead. But I, from the looks of it, it's probably is going to still be a while off yet. But um, I think if they can, whatever sort of ma- major takeover the block coming up, whether that's for the UK or like you say, when it comes up to the build to WrestleMania weekend, I hope they give these two a spotlight to go at it again because it was just such a good match and it's one of those things where you, you could just watch them wrestle forever <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's a legitimate fight forever contender right there 100 percent um yeah anything else you want to bring up man uh news wise not that i can think of um let me see uh i mean the one last thing i had if we always want to go over this and then we'll go over to the next segment was um what I thought was interesting is obviously briefly touch upon this is that WWE are looking to do something special for the 2021 Royal Rumble um they've said apparently officials say they want to do something that's quite different and extravagant for this next year's Rumble uh so uh, it's gonna be quite interesting what they do I mean my hopes is like they go for just a big epic cinematic match with it given that they've had some pretty good ones over this last year and I think the rumble could lend itself to just so many possibilities um the creativity just to do it in a cinematic style would just be potentially endless so that's kind of the direction I'm hoping to take with it uh what, what would you think I know that they uh there were reports that they want fans there like they they want fans there in some capacity um and the rumble is unlike anything in years that i've been out of wrestling um and you know sort of gone away from the product the rumble brings me back it's the it's the it's the it's the the start to the road to wrestlemania and it's good no matter what because it's this smorgasbord of um stories talent um something for all audiences you know you've got you've got your comedy spots you've got your, your drama you've got everything in a, in a rumble and as for something i want i do think that a a cinematic style would benefit it i don't think it would benefit the entire match i think they should do like a um uh like segments of the match that are away from it maybe um you know people people break away go under the ropes and and have some cinematic bits somewhere else but i think i don't know yeah like i suppose like in the sort of style of the 99 rumble where you had vincent austin start off the match and then they kind of disappear backstage so yeah maybe something like that would work pretty well um i think it'll be interesting what they're going to do i mean i I hope i them saying we want to do something different they're not just going to basically like okay this is a 50-man royal rumble or a 60-man one they're not just upping the number i hope they do try and do something like to say that is different and unique just to kind of make it stand out um in regards to obviously still a bit early now but do you have any sort of favorites for both the men's and women's i was just about to mention that 
most most years I would know by now. I like it. It was it was obviously Drew last year. Um, this year, I really don't know who they're poising to be be up there. You know, is it going to be someone going for Romans? Is it going to be someone going for 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 Randy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the men's one I've managed to pick out four names that I think potentially could win it. But again, I'm with I'm with you that it's this year has been really hard to call. I think given the circumstances they found themselves in, it's just been a bit of a which just makes the rumble itself good in itself because you, you kind of want to go in unsure because that's just going to make it even better once you get to those final few. Um, potentially Big E. I think it's a name you could throw up there from what I've heard, especially with the fact they broke up the New Day. They, they were seemingly wanting to push him as a main event star now. So this could obviously be the perfect entryway for that to happen. Um, although, from what I've heard, this, this, they're kind of going backwards and forwards on Big E at the moment, which is interesting. I mean, this is kind of classic the way Vince is at the moment. He'll find a star and rather than put the investment in after a few weeks, he just loses interest. So we'll, we'll see with that. I could potentially see Drew winning it again because obviously the big thing was is he had even though he's had that one rumble win with the crowd, they've been wanting him to be the champion with the crowd, which just didn't happen, just so they could gauge that true reaction. So I could see them maybe replicating that and hopefully if they're getting fans in for the rumble, they could do the same for Mania. Then I also thought of Edge potentially, given that they're still wanting to maybe look to have him and Orton feuding at Mania, which has been rumoured for a year so having him return again at a rumble and potentially winning at this time would obviously set up that quite well um the women's one i'm having like a really hard time drawing up some names the only two i could come up with would potentially be bailey just because obviously the feud with sasha banks is still obviously quite red hot after that amazing match at hell on the cell and if they give it a bit more time to sort of simmer for a bit then they can obviously build that up and give them the mania platform to have another absolute blinder of a match and the only other name I could potentially come up with was possibly Alexa Bliss. Um, mainly because I love the stuff she's doing with the Funhouse at the moment. And I think if they're not willing to put the title on Bray, if they give it at least to her, they can kind of still work in that sort of unique universe of the Fly Firefly Funhouse by at least having one of them hold a major belt. So that's kind of where I'm at with it at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I think that um, men's-wise... It's so difficult for me to pick for the men's. Um, I would have thought that a Keith Lee might. Uh, it depends how he does at Survivor Series if he if he really shows up and they let him. Oh, I totally forgot about Keith. <laughs> yeah, if if they let him really um, really go for it, I think I think Keith Lee would be great. He's kind of he squared off with Roman and Orton. I remember at the Rumble. Um. um... Yeah, but then it was also last year's Survivor Series. Him and Reigns were the final ones, and he obviously gained Reigns' respect, so... It was at Survivor Series, yeah. I think that would make sense. I hope it's Keith. I would really like Big E as well. Um, personally, I think I'd rather, I'd rather Keith. As for the women's, it could... Honestly, they could try and be breathing new, new blood into it. Um, they could bring in uh, why they haven't pulled the trigger before, but I think Rhea Ripley would be would be the best option um, to to really breathe it back in. Uh, I'll be honest though; it's most likely going to be Charlotte. 
I see. This is what I thought. I was wondering because she won it this year. So I mean, I mean, if I'm picking Drew for one of the potential names, there's no reason to think she couldn't win. But I mean, going off what you said there, if Rhea potentially, I could see it. Maybe Rhea gets the win this year. Charlotte wins the belt, and then she gets the sort of rebound win at this at the upcoming Mania potentially. So I mean, I think, I think, I think, if, I think you're on the money there. I think potentially Charlotte though is probably a good shout. So. But I mean, that's still a bit while off. Yeah, I'm sure we'll kind of revisit this when the Rumble's coming up and see how our things have changed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, anything else there, or do you want to head straight into the full gear? Oh, no, screw it. Let's just do our actual picks. Uh, we're either going to be dead right or dead wrong. My picks are Keith Lee and Rhea Ripley. Okay, I think I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Edge. I just think they might give my I think they're going to have him come back at the Rumble, and I think it's going to be the bill to him and Randy. Um, I think I might go with Bailey for the women's as well. I, I could see them after how after the they finally got that match between her and Sasha at Helmet Cell, which was excellent. I think they're gonna want to maybe put them on the Mania platform so they can knock it out of the park again. So yeah, I think I'll go with Edge and Bailey on this. I dig it. Uh, yeah. Again, anything else there, man? Or just should we go straight into full gear? Let's jump into full gear. Brilliant. So I mean, as we've kind of alluded to there, my God, this was just such a brilliant pay-per-view um it's generally from top to bottom it's probably one of the most stacked cards i've ever seen and um for me it kind of almost reached nearly mania 17 levels of kind of perfection obviously nowhere near quite near the same level as a few little nick picks but generally it was brilliant i think the only thing i could say about it is the card was possibly too stacked because you look you look at the card and you think that's like several main events just crammed into one show but I think overall they did manage to deliver on the matches, which we'll obviously go through bit by bit. But yeah, I, th- I think honestly there was not too much to complain about the show. Yeah, um, I, I think some of the things that they, they pulled out and, and introduced were, were great. Um, should we go like bit by bit, match by match, all the way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one thing is I missed the buy-in. So did you manage to watch the NWA women's title match? I did not watch that. So let's just not mention it, and let's just go... Oh, so the main card. Yeah, main card. So obviously we had... Uh, oh, and we'll probably have a bit of a spoiler warning for anyone who might not have seen the show yet. Um, so yeah, uh, opening match was Omega versus Adam Page, and then this was obviously the final for the AEW number one contenders match. Um, it was I was quite surprised that they kicked off the show with this, but then again, when you see like how stacked the card was, something inevitably had to kick off the show. And to be honest, it was actually quite a brilliant way. I think uh, the match did plenty to kind of showcase the feud and what they're capable of, but it kept enough back sort of for those future matches down the line. So we weren't given everything up front. There's that enticement there for us really wanting to see a rematch between the two. And I just generally thought the match was good in terms of just the sort of psychology, because like it was like a sense of both men were one step ahead of each other, like they were constantly reversing all the big moves, and it kind of fit in perfectly with like how you've got the rise of the cleaner now, so Omega is going towards that sort of heel move, and it also just sort of fits with um, the sort of unraveling of Hangman, which has been slowly happening over the last few months. So yeah, I thought it was just generally a fantastic match to kick off the show. Yeah, I mean it's definitely sad cowboy hours for uh, for Hangman, but the the story that they're both telling is great. Um, Omega finally on the rise again, went through you know loss after loss after loss, uh, and now you know the the thing is snapped inside him. Uh, Hangman losing his friends, uh, drinking, 
uh, almost being manipulated by the revival at one point. Um, it it was great, and uh, they even brought out Don Callis, who's who's uh, called a lot of Kenny's matches uh, over the years. He called um, you know his big matches in Japan, which was you know for for the casual fan that's not that's not a lot, but uh, it was it was really cool to see. Um, and then obviously Kenny uh, with the result at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you say there, this is kind of like the perfect example of how well AEW have done long-term booking and storytelling. You know, obviously the thing with the revival, uh, what FTR, you know, all that's been going back for months now. And Well, I did call them the revival, didn't I? <laughs> Don't remind, I did the same thing. Wow. It's still quite, I mean, I'm getting used to it now, but at the same time, it will just occasionally slip out, so... I don't think I think a lot of people are in the same boat here with that one, but uh, yeah, absolutely. The they came in and obviously I've, I've the the character work with Hangman especially has been brilliant because like he's still killing it in the ring, but the fact he's always just sat there with a glass of whiskey in his hand and inevitable of his just his problems like that. Uh, I think it was the go home show where he had the sit down interview with Jr. who was essentially just calling him on the fact that he's constantly got a drink in his hand and is probably nervous for the match. It's just kind of so so well done and um I, th- I think i think we all kind of saw it coming that omega was probably gonna get the win here but like we said it's clearly gonna hopefully lead to them two having a big match and add and page finally getting the win that he's been after yeah i mean if you if you go all the way back to the first big pay-per-view um page was you know it was page and jericho and page was 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 you know beaten right at the last um, and you know they're they're definitely poising him as their big up and comer, you know their big star, one day. And I think it was smart of them um, to 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 really do this slow build. Like a bad booking would have just been to to shove it on him straight away when he's not ready, um, or even if he is ready, it's you know, which which I'm I'm sure Hangman himself would he'd be great at it. But would he do as great as as this story is has made it? No, it's. It's, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's now going to be, what, two, three years eventually down the line where he finally wins it, hopefully off of Kenny. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was like when the when the first Double or Nothing came up and that was the big match was, uh, yeah, it was. It was Jericho and Paige fighting for the belt. There was obviously that, um, it was kind of hard to call at the time, like, were they going to just put the belt on an established name like Jericho or were they really going to put that investment in a brand new star? But they've clearly made the smart choice by obviously first having it on Jericho and having Hangman build himself up because unless you were uh, a watcher of New Japan, you probably didn't really have much knowledge of like who he was previously. So they've at least gone a smart way of this of kind of really building him up to that main event level. And yeah, I, I think it's generally going to be... A like we said before, I think Omega is probably going to take the belt off Moxley, and I think it is going to eventually build to Hangman being the one to take down Omega. Probably like way further down the line into next year, so I'm excited to see where it goes, to be honest. Brilliant. Um, next matchup was Orange Cassidy versus John Silver, uh, which Cassidy got the win over. Uh, it was just a nice, decent little bout um, between now two of AEW's Top Rising Stars. Obviously, Cassidy's been on one hell of a climb over the company over the past year especially thanks to people like jericho helping build him up and make him that new like big star they've got and then john silver who's basically started riding his own wave of momentum at the moment as well so it was just a nice little show in between these two i think a lot of the issues um with 
AEW are with the casual fans, and, and a lot of the complaints on Twitter are like, I don't know any of these people. And some of the issues, I suppose, would be that it, a lot of it is intertextual. Um, a lot of the build for this and, and story of this is only on BTE and, uh, and you know, their social medias and, and, and YouTube and whatnot, which is a shame, I'd say. Um, I think it does translate to these big matches and, and you know, they make it work. But um, I, I worry that a lot of people are missing out without watching those. And it's not their fault that they're not watching, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what can they do? I suppose they only have so many hours of TV. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of one of the things that the Elite and certainly AEW have been kind of pioneers of is not only do you have to sort of obviously watch the weekly shows, but if you tune into their YouTube channels, you're obviously going to get more sort of uh, continuations of stories and just obviously there, obviously there's that element of them just messing around backstage, but obviously it all kind of ties in eventually. Um, I think, I think part of it is you can sort of, if you did just want to watch Dynamite and Dark, or um, you're not going to miss out too much there because they will try and fill you in. But um, So you're not necessarily missing out by not watching all the YouTube stuff either, but obviously there are stars on there that have been kind of made because of the YouTube series, like being the elite. So obviously that's kind of where John Silver's developed this kind of momentum. So hopefully that does translate away from the YouTube and onto this because I think he's a fantastic talent. I mean, generally, I'd love to see him have a match with Pac. Because I think they've just got such like a same kind of build and style that I think they could actually put on quite a blinder of a match. But I think we're still kind of far away from seeing him reaching those kind of mid-tier to main event kind of cards. But at the moment, I'm just happy seeing him in the work of the Dark Order, which has just been fantastic throughout this year. Right. Uh, I mean, the, the hopefully the character won't suffer as uh, as a peon of the Dark Order. Um, I think they they the Dark Order did sort of stutter a bit at the start and and take a little bit to build up but they're really you know are coming into their stride now uh hopefully we see more of of brody sort of managing these people and and pushing them towards uh different titles and different feuds like with pack and and whatnot yeah 100 percent, man i mean like you said there it was a bit of a bumpy start but then since brody's been in like it's probably been one of the best things to check out on dynamite is the dark order certainly one of the best stables going and yeah hopefully we'll see some more brilliant stuff coming out of them in the next year to come uh next up was darby allen uh, against cody rhodes for the tnt championship which darby managed to get a hold of and uh, again just another brilliant match with some excellent storytelling and in-ring psychology um it's just the story they told building in that obviously darby was this kind of pet project for cody like he was the one who brought him into the company and had been trying to sort of build them to being this like top star in the company but then going into this you saw cody kind of going against that a bit because i think on the go home episode of dynamite it was he was saying how he was looking forward to the match but he still didn't believe darby was that ace so you could see that the cockiness was there and that kind of carried on at the ring because this, this is the thing i've loved about cody's character work he's obviously he's obviously playing that face character but when it comes to the in-ring stuff especially when he's got that belt he just gets overly arrogant and cocky against some opponents and that's what kind of fed into this he was constantly seeming like he was going to just walk over alan who kept coming back and they kind of tied that into some great spots like that crossroads off the top rope and darby only escaping because he managed to just roll that arm under the bottom rope was just so well done 
Yeah, definitely on the showboating um, and and cockiness side, you you had Arn. Uh, there was a point where Cody did some some press ups, and Arn started yelling at him, telling him to pin uh, pin pin Darby, and he didn't. Uh, yeah, it's great character work. Really worked for the story. Uh, I think one of the um, I guess mentioning the previous match as well is, is one of the things about the one one of the things that would piss off old wrestling fans uh, or, or traditional wrestling fans that I. I argue don't really get the business um, would be that you know oh these these little kids Darby and OC they're just small and and all of this they're they're what you know the the kids are dressing up as they're what um, they they've probably have more uh, Halloween costumes than Jericho had you know um, and and they're they're going to be the figures that like kids are going to want to buy as well. I mean, speaking for myself, they're the two figures I'm adamantly waiting for so yeah absolutely yeah no if if i was a kid and i saw i saw this like skater dude with uh half of his face painted i'd be like yeah yeah i want that and you know to back it up as well they're very very good at what they do um they're very cool in the ring they they sort of darby especially you know he doesn't obviously wrestle like a big man um he does a lot of these it's it's a weird style because he's very he's very you know thin very um small in comparison to uh to the other wrestlers uh one of one of my favorite moves of his is that like big jumping arm drag you know it, it's not it's not super uh flam like flamboyant of a move it's not super high risk high reward as they would say but it, it's it's very uh you know it stands out everything he does is very darby allen and no one else does it like him much the same as Orange Cassidy as well, you know. Uh, I mean, his way of doing it is very lackadaisical, and that's why it works. But um, they they really do stand out, and I th- I think you know, especially for the younger audiences, which is what they have right now, and this must be why they have it. It's it's all for them. No, hundred percent, you're right. I mean, I think there's the comparison's been made there, like Darby Hall, Darby Allen. Sorry, is that? He's kind of like that Jeff Hardy figure for this generation of wrestling. You know, he's just that cool-looking daredevil that kids especially love just because he is willing to do some absolutely outrageous stuff in the ring just to kind of pick up a win. And he'll also just let, like, the other wrestlers do uh, just crazy stuff too. I mean, the, the classic thing he did in the indies, which they replicated at the previous pay-per-view, so it was All Out, I believe, or maybe it was the one before, they did the whole body bag thing with the thumbtacks, which is just... One of the most horrible looking things ever, but that's kind of probably why he has those fans is that he just does that to himself and lets people do that to him. So, and it kind of obviously gains that sympathy that he's this like short guy who does mainly not gain the upper hand, but when he does, it just kind of adds to that even bigger sense of victory. But, and then, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the matches he won on the indies were via roll-up and i think they should should keep to it it's why it, it, it's a similar thing to Rey mysterio um where when wwe bought, brought him back recently he would win clean often he would he would do a move and then they would stay down and i th- i don't think that's with that's in keeping with what the character should should be you know darby allen can't hit you as hard as um brian cage can't hit you as hard as kenny omega um it should it should be roll ups and and anyone who thinks that that's not as uh, that's not a win or not as much of a win doesn't really. I mean, you know, 
that's what wrestling is. You pin someone. Yeah, 100%. I mean, going off that, I mean, it was kind of one of those rare moments where a match was kind of won with that sort of back and forth roll-up uh, segment. A lot of matches, you see a lot of matches have. Um, so I was generally quite surprised when that led to the finish, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was kind of like the perfect way for Darby to get that sort of over on Cody. And it, it kind of fit with Cody's the whole thing of being too arrogant and cocky. Because, like, obviously he sold the look on his face of losing, like, fantastically well. And then fed back in, obviously, him being, like, the nice guy that he is, obviously, presenting the belt to Darby. Um, and I, th I thought the post match segment was pretty interesting i genuinely thought team taz were just going to walk off with the belt and i was sort of like oh, that could be interesting but i'm kind of glad they didn't go with that route next but i am interested to seeing that feud continue my one uh concern is i don't want to see darby beach the transitional champion with this i don't want to see him lose the belt immediately to someone like ricky starks unless there is going to be that continuous back and forth with the belt but I'd like to see him get a fairly decent reign out of it just so they can keep building them as that like big star of the show. Yeah, um you know, further further to that, it's it's I don't see them taking it off of him. I think they realise that he is, you know, very down with the kids, as they'd say. And I th I think the the way you go is you, you like you know, you have you have JR start saying, Oh, he's setting up the 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 specific roll-up i there was a there was one move he did a roll-up he did on the indies where he sort of crosses their legs and then just like leans back and that would often be how he, he'd win a match um oh is that the the last supper yeah i think so because he because he, he it did try i think he had tried to hit that on cody in the match yeah i think that's what it is it's because it's, it's just a roll-up but if you if you treat it like it's uh like it's a finishing move then it is one and I, I think that, that, like, don't give him a submission. Um, the coffin drop is, you know, don't expect it to put people away um, straight away. Uh, yeah, I, th I think I think a roll-up would be great. And, and if he gets out of it by beating Brian Cage with a roll-up, um, or even, like, you know, maybe maybe Taz messes up a, a, a run-in or something, I, I think keeping it on Derby would be the smartest idea. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you say there, he's like the most bankable star for that younger audience. Like you say, whenever you see stuff online, it's always kids dressing up as him. And when the figure does come out next year, it'll probably be a massive seller for them as well. So I think having the belt on him during that point will obviously just help with that kind of thing. So uh, that was just like a little doubt with the transitional thing. But yeah, I, th I think we could hopefully see a decent rain out of him going forward. So exciting to see where that goes next. Um. Yeah, next up was the Hikaru Shida defeating Nyla Rose for the AW Women's Championship. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so, yeah, next up was Hikaru Shida defeating Nyla Rose for the AW Women's Championship. And uh, as we kind of pointed to before, it, it was a good match. You know, like, I, I did enjoy, I enjoy watching these two go out because they do put on quite a physical bout. Again, it was just hard to be invested when there's just not much behind the women's division at the moment. Like, there's just barely any stories going into it. And if there have been, there's just not been the build there for it. And just none of a spotlight. And just going back to say before, this is something they really need to kind of put some focus on going into next year. Because it's just sorely lacking at the moment. Yeah, um, I think that uh, doing more women-centric shows... I mean... 
it's it's the same reason why uh, game developers don't do female protagonists, right? It's because they're afraid of um, it not selling, right? And I, I, I'm, you know, I don't know Tony Khan. I don't, I don't know, um, I don't know any of these people personally at all. But as much as they can say that we're really focusing on the women's division, if you don't put them in high-profile places, people aren't gonna care when the match comes on. Uh, we need to know the story. We need to to see like why this matters i mean if you, if you talk about stables for example um because because they i think stables are going to end up being a really big thing like they are in japan where you've got uh lij you've got uh chaos uh bullet club god uh, osprey has just made a new stable all of this kind of thing um if you look at the stables in aew you've got a, a bunch of them forming you got some nice well-established ones and i think there's one woman in all of the stables yeah absolutely and then even then it's like they don't have much to do in that stable either like um the, the only one that really stands out to mind is obviously bunny returning back to butchering the blade after she basically used uh marshall for his money and credit cards and even then that just seems like the most archaic storyline to go with that just sounds like something that would have been at home in the attitude era where women weren't treated as wrestlers and more as just general eye candy you know what i mean yeah well i guess that i guess then two i guess her and then anna jay in um in the dark order but they should be they shouldn't just be there to solely be managers they should also have their stable mates be their managers when they have a match yeah absolutely i mean it, it, it's like synergy it needs to kind of go both ways like obviously women are the classic manager type but then have you know the people from their stable come out and just represent them at ringside it could just like help build so much and i think they just need to give them better stories i mean right now the only real women's wrestler i get proper excited to see in aw is Britt baker who's just been absolutely fantastic since she turned heel this year and all the stuff the promo she's been doing but other than her it's hard to get truly excited about any matches or feuds that are coming up because again the bill's just not there i think when you look at something like Dynamite and Dark, there's typically maybe only ever one women's match. There's never like like more than one usually on a card. It like I feel like if they give some more match slots to it, that could certainly help and just like have more focus to give those storylines room to breathe and help gain that traction that the division needs. Yeah, agreed. Um whether they feel the need to do an evolution style pay-per-view just an all-women's one i don't know if that's necessary but do a women-centric one do one with at least more than one match on the card and 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 just just put them on the posters put them everywhere and they they will get over it's it's not a it's like you've got a, a militant fan base at this point you know i'm gonna definitely keep watching um Maybe maybe it is that they're just waiting. I mean, Britt was out for quite a while. Um, they've had their roster kind of split, obviously, due to all of this. They lost B Priestley as well. Uh, they, they let her go, I believe. Yeah, I think it was in light of uh, her and Osprey's thing with the movement and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. But I think, I think they've got the talent there. It's just giving them chance to breathe and then hopefully yeah i mean like, like you said i mean maybe not even just a pay-per-view if they just had like a dynamite special where it was just letting the women's division kind of 
prove themselves and to show what they're capable of that could do great things to kind of get that thing a bit of momentum and get things moving it's it's not that they haven't been trying here and there they did the women's um they did the women's tag team medals i guess um and then nothing happened after that i think the team that had the medals showed them off in one match after that and i don't think they've been back not gonna lie i totally forgot that was a thing yeah yeah well the the fight that was that was when anna J joined the dark order i believe yeah yeah i think you're right i remember that briefly being a thing and no mention of ever again that just seems to be kind of the issue they've had with anything women-centric that they'll come up with this idea they'll go with it for a bit and then maybe for whatever reason it's just not working they'll just drop it i mean the big thing that comes to mind is obviously with brandy rhodes having her stable but the issue with that was is that it was just because they had too many of those kind of spooky mysterious factions going at once so i could see them the reason for dropping that but again it just doesn't really help things in that kind of sense that the division just needs something to sort of push it up a bit more well fingers crossed but um palette cleanser i suppose would be the young bucks versus ftr as the next match absolutely this was fantastic i mean it didn't hit the same levels as the bucks versus omega and page at uh, revolution though came damn close like this would probably be one of my definitely up there for a match of the year contender this one as well maybe in the top 10 um I, th- I think the issue they had going in is that the build wasn't the best which is surprising given that this is a match that has had nearly what five years of hype behind it but yeah i i think sorry you continue with that i'll, I'll jump in after oh yeah sure uh so yeah like i said like five years of build uh, sorry the build wasn't great but the five years of hype as well um but i think the match did manage to deliver at the end um and again it was similar to omega and page like they did enough that the match was just like absolutely brilliant but they've kept plenty aside for those future rematches uh down the line uh what were you gonna say yeah it's it's on the it's on the hype and the build the the build it is is yeah it's five years hype but do you get to count that as the build because it all of this is you know intertextual it's like it's like if you didn't watch bte back three years ago when they started oh well i can't remember how long ago maybe two years ago when they started doing you know fuck the revival then is that your fault for not realizing or, or knowing um the the majority of the fan base you know me included know that this is like a you know a big thing this is a match we want when they showed up you know everyone popped like crazy um because it was it was it was great um but but do they neglect the build because they've had all of that happen because they've you know had twitter beef at one point is that okay to kind of neglect the build i don't think so but they made up for it in one of the greatest tag matches on television well on pay-per-view yeah hands down i mean i mean briefly touch what you said there i think it is a case of yeah maybe it wasn't those things but i think i think i think i think it's that thing we're talking about before there's there's a, there's a fine line they need to walk of like 
obviously they're going to have those fans that watch everything they output, whether that's Dynamite, Dark, and the YouTube being the lead, but they've also got to kind of really account for those fans who maybe have just come to this product and aren't aware of the build behind it, because obviously there's going to be a lot of fans there who would maybe probably just purely WWE watchers and have now been brought onto this show because of the talent they've got now and how well they're doing, so I feel like they could have maybe built a bit more up into sort of explaining why this is such a hype match, you know, kind of going into that sort of Twitter beef and what they've been doing on being the elite, but here there, regardless of that, the match did deliver, like you're saying, I think this is easily on the top 10 matches for my year, I think it delivered on what we were hoping, because obviously a match with this kind of, if you did take the full couple years into consideration, it could either be the case of the match lives up to it, or it completely fails, and thankfully this match delivered, I just thought storytelling was good as well especially with Matt going in with his injured leg but then they kind of worked that into like leveling the playing field by just battering the hell out of Harwood's hand in the corner and it was just like little things like because they're obviously two teams that are like really pioneered tag team wrestling and both you and me that's kind of our favorite form of wrestling which is why these are the best teams to watch and I just loved the segment where they did all the callbacks to the teams that influenced them so you know with the books it was the hardys and the dudleys and for fdr it was the Hart and the steiners i just thought it basically encompassed what these teams are about which is great tag team wrestling and paying homage to the influences that kind of made them want to pursue tag team wrestling as well yeah yeah um back onto the 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 going into the match with the injury uh the bucks when whenever i hear anyone talk about them not doing storytelling well or not getting you invested they have always done great sort of um ways to get sympathy for themselves in japan um matt had a uh, a back injury whether that was um part part shoot part work i don't actually know uh personally because you know he'd always sell it um uh, it was his match with my favorite. One of my favorite tag matches of all time is him. Uh, it was is the Young Bucks versus uh, the Golden Lovers, uh, Kenny and Ibushi, and he's selling the back the entire time. And it's some of the greatest storytelling just ever. There's so much like agony on his face, and his brother has to step in, and he he like he's taking them on single handed, and you know they they echo it again here, and it's absolutely tremendous. Yeah, no, I, no, I totally agree. I think um, for me, like especially the books have always been good at, uh, like you say, they're going in uh, and sticking to the story, you know, because you obviously see a lot of wrestlers who will go into a match injured and really don't sell the fact that they're injured and much, or you kind of just maybe forget about it, or like I suppose obviously when you're in a match, it is going to be hard to obviously do what you've got planned out and then remember you've got to be selling an injury. But the books have always been fantastic at that um so i absolutely agree it was just really well done um i think the one thing that spoiled the match slightly was the stipulation they had attached to it going into it with the books and they would never challenge for the belts again if they lost i think that kind of sealed the match as being almost predictable that they would win because it's it, it would it would seem a bit strange and daft to me that they would have that situation uh, stipulation sorry twice in one year given that cody can't challenge for the world title anymore but it that aside, like it didn't ruin it too much. I think uh, I would have personally liked to see FTR have a longer reign because they are probably my favorite tag team at the moment. And 
it's, it's going to serve anyway uh, for us because they're going to have plenty of rematches down the line. And again, I think they did plenty here to sort of showcase and live up to that hype. But there's obviously a lot more there that they can do for future matches going going down the line. Yeah, I mean, because it had a few stipulations. Um, uh, Tully was banned from ringside um, and, and you know, they wouldn't challenge again. I, I, I agree that it was weird that they did it twice um, so soon. Um, but I think their reasoning was because Cody did it and then hasn't challenged again because he lost, they were like, oh, well, you know, it has weight because we'll actually do it. And I, I don't doubt. I I think they will, you know, if someone loses a uh, I will never challenge again match, they won't. Um, or I hope they won't. I mean, when it comes to that stipulation, I don't necessarily mind if they go back on it, but you, it can't be a situation of someone's lost that match and then it's literally only like a month or a couple of months later they get to challenge it. Like, I obviously wouldn't mind if it's been a couple of years and Cody eventually gets to have that chance back at the world title picture and if they can work a way around that. As, as long as you've given that thing time, because that's the thing with these wrestling stipulations, they're never always concrete. I mean... You'd look at things like when was it John Cena when he got lost that match to the Nexus and had to quit and then he was back like a week later. You know, it, it like they're, they're never set in stone. I think I think the, when they carry weight is when they actually follow through of it for a good long while, and then if they decide to go back on it, you can't be too hurt because they've at least actually followed it. Well, I mean, I mean, if if they do last, you know, a few years and then go back on it, it becomes at that point it becomes part of the story in a good way, where it's just like. You could practically sway it where where Cody could go. I said I'd never do it again. You could really ham it up. You could be like, I'd never challenge for it again. But uh, I don't know, God, whoever it is at the time, whoever they signed from WWE at the time that has it, um, uh, he hurt my brother, so I've got to I've got to go for it. Oh uh, no, hundred percent. I mean, you can only. I mean, this is the good thing with Cody. Like his promos are so good that you you'd essentially to the quote Arnold J. Rimmer, he could make you crawl across broken glass with your fly unzipped. Like the promos are just so good. Like and you and again there, as long as it built into a story and it was just entertaining, like you wouldn't mind if they went back on the stipulation. You you could legit see similar to like how he ended up not being able to transfer again, him having to go through like some absolute trials and tribulations just to be able to get that title shot again. But again, that's like what you want to see. You want it to feed into a good story. Right. I mean I mean the the things he went through to even face MJF were, you know, God, that was such a good build to that. Yeah, absolutely. So again, uh, if, if the stipulation had gone ahead, I mean, I, I think I think it would have been easy to assume that eventually they'd have the shot back. But I think I think it was good to put the belt on the books, especially with the sort of. Cause, I mean, the build wasn't. I'm not going to say the build was completely poor on my end. I did like the book slowly turn and heel and like super kicking Shivani and stuff like that. It was entertaining. Um, but I think I think it's it's definitely not the last we've seen of them. I'm I'm sure we'll be seeing plenty of stuff in the next year between the two, and it's gonna all probably be absolutely golden as well. Yeah, I mean they to be honest, they could have even played even more on the the Hangman and Omega aspect in their match. Um, well, this was the thing, right? I, I, like it looked like there was I couldn't tell what they were trying to do with this. Whether it was something that might have changed, but wait, I think it was at the end of this match. Did you see? page at the entrance ramp uh i don't recall seeing page i swear i swear it was it must have been this match because omega comes out at the end doesn't he and like they all hug and they're like 
yay. But I swear, if you look at the right entrance ramp, um, uh, Hangman stood there. Uh, and I legit thought there must there must be going to be putting the camera on him, obviously, to carry on with the fact that, you know, he's regrets everything he's done to the elite and he wants back in. But they never put the camera on him. And then after a few more shots, he was he just had gone. So maybe that was like something subtle they were trying to do or maybe that was something that just got scrapped but I, I was definitely there at the end of the match but they just didn't give any mention to him which i thought was quite interesting yeah i don't i don't recall that i'd have to uh look that up but i mean you know that's that's what they've always been good with just having them at ringside and 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 teasing those kind of stories yeah 100% no just fantastic match again i think Bucks versus Hangman and Page was probably the better tag match out of this year, but this one was definitely a very close second for me. Brilliant. Uh, and then moving on to that, it was Matt Hardy against Sammy Guevara in the Elite Deletion, ma- Elite Deletion match. Sorry, <laughs> um, uh, just a fun cinematic match, I guess. Um, and it's hopefully wrapped up this pretty much disaster of a feud. I mean. This should have been a really good feud, but then with all the injuries that kept happening and all just the sort of horrific botches that were made, it, it's kind of hopeful that this has been like the full stop to this and they can both move on to other stuff. Um, again, it, it, it was a great cinematic match. I, I don't think it was something completely different. It was kind of a lot of callbacks and moments that you'd seen in previous ones, but I, I still thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, I think I think a lot of people were calling for the end of it just because of the unfortunate things that did happen, um, and they they kept it going simply because they I assume they knew they could do better, which they could. The last one was great. Um, it it's not personally like you know I I love fourth wall break kind of stuff, and I I I adore that like a comedy match. Um, the, the Hardy stuff was never like entirely my cup of tea. I still enjoy it heavily. Uh, I really liked uh, the moment where like mid-match, the interviewer came up to him uh, and just started asking him questions. And he, the gangrel coming in. Um, I, I, I adore all that shit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like that, that was the thing. The big thing that popped me in this match was just seeing the hurricane again because I just absolutely love the hurricane. So... Well, I mean, hopefully we might get to see him make a couple of appearances on Dynamite and Dark. Cause I think he, he still kind of wrestles now, doesn't he? Like, and obviously not as heavily as he used to, but I still think he makes the odd appearance. So ho- hopefully we'll get to see him maybe do some stuff. Maybe even if it's just more of the Hardy Universe stuff, because I think this kind of ties into stuff that the like, storylines had before with it. I felt one aspect of it, though, that felt a little bit too on the nose was... Um, the ending where Sammy essentially cracked his head open, I think it was from the ladder spot, or was it when he got dumped on the table outside? It might have been the outside table. Oh, that was a bit too on the nose with everything that's happened previously, but yeah, other than that, it was just pretty fun, I guess. But um, And it did go a bit too long for my liking, because this was, I think this might have been the longest match on the card. It was a, it was close to half an hour. It was it was, it was was 20 minutes, and uh, the Bucks went 30, but this was the second longest match. Okay, could have sworn it was up there. It was, um, yeah. I mean, it it dragged a little bit, but I don't know. I it, it depends. It depends what you like. I think when when it's at its best is when it goes full ham, like uh, the bit at the end where they put him in the the bin and then uh, private party opens the door and then there's an obvious cut where 
he's no longer in the bin and then they like staggeredly walk out of the door but it might have even been like a- another day that they were filming it or something like that yeah 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 i just i just thought it was really f- yeah i just thought it was really funny the end where he was like you can open the door now but they just walk in and the door's still shut <laughs> just like wait where, where, where have they come from <laughs> but no i mean it was it was pretty funny you know it was entertaining um not much really else to go on that and then we had mgf defeating chris jericho and this officially means now mgf is part of the inner circle um this is kind of the and wardlow and wardlow and wardlow um this is kind of the example i gave that this was a two stacked of a card because i i legit forgot this match was happening i thought we were going straight into the main event after the elite deletion and i was like oh shit yeah we forgot this match is happening um i think it was a decent match it wasn't uh again it was one of those things where i think we could have seen a lot more out of them but I think the whole point of this match was just to set up the whole idea of MGF joining the inner circle and it basically set out what it was looking to achieve, to be honest. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I love the heel versus heel dynamic. Um, they did some of the like Guerrero style, um, uh, you know, hit each other while the ref's not looking, lie down on the ground type thing. Um, I think it was it's great. They have great chemistry. Uh, I think it's going to harper back to Kevin Owens and uh, Chris Jericho. Um, and and when MJF has got the entire inner circle to play off of as well, it's it, it's just so entertaining. Um, obviously, the, the inevitable split up of them, but... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I've loved the bill for this, even the stuff that got a lot of flack, like that little song and dance number they had a few weeks ago. I absolutely, it was it was hilarious. Like, I mean, this is the thing that we're going on before. Like, the people who watch wrestling and just get so offended at that, you just think, like, like why are you getting so hurt over it? It's just some fun little segment that's thrown in, and how could you not laugh your head off at it? It was just so well done. And then beyond that, like you've had like the great build to it like the go home dynamite with jericho saying he, he's not seen that fire in mgf and then at the end of his match just tackles jericho through the announce stage it's just been perfectly done and um i think i think it's pretty obvious that they're looking to build the destruction of the inner circle now that mgf's in it um how do you think it's going to sort of pan out uh they're going to vegas next week um i don't know if they have to follow by uh social distancing in vegas i don't really know what the rules are over there but um i'm not sure long-term booking wise and i like that i really like that i don't entirely know um if he's gonna take over the inner circle if he's gonna destroy the inner circle if he's gonna like split them in half um kick out sammy uh i don't i honestly do not know i think that's gonna be a really good um good story as well is where is that is the sammy being sad about it all or is like he's lost his dad his dad has found a new toy um i it's it's really it, it's it's great i it's I, I don't know where it's gonna go and i love that no no i totally agree um me i, I think it's gonna lead to basically inner circle kind of being split down the middle because they've already been sort of teasing that on dynamite i think uh like here i think it's Guevara and ortiz wrestled mjf and wardlaw and essentially they're kind of building it as like they're the two who, members who really don't want them to be part of it so i, th- I think that might be where they're going with it where it's going to be sort of the 
the faction getting split up slightly, but then I think it's obviously just going to end with it kind of completely sort of ending, um, ending altogether. But I think I think we still got like a lot more story to build here, so I'm excited to see where it goes. Brilliant. Um, yeah, and then we got the main event, which was John Moxley against Eddie Kingston in an I Quit match for the AW World Championship. Um, again, it, this was a match that again just had some absolutely fantastic story built to it because you've essentially got two of the best mic workers in the business out of Kingston and Moxley, and it's been great to see uh, Eddie Kingston, who's mainly been that sort of big star of the indies, who's never got that sort of main audience before, and now he's actually proving why he's been kind of one of the best sort of kept secrets in that regard, and. Uh, again, it was just I just love the build in that it was clear they were like two friends, but they both they both dedicate their life to pro wrestling, but each one took a very different path to eventually get to this main event stage. And I just thought it was like so uh, perfectly handled between the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think that the supposed tra uh, tradition of having the the world title go on last is personally. I'm very conflicted about it. I'm. I think it's partly outdated and partly, uh, you know, a, a very good thing. I think it should have. Um, <clears throat> I think it should have. A. A higher probability of going on last because it is the world title, which means it will mean more. But, in this instance, I think that. You know, the tag match, for example, should have been the main event over this match, which I loved. You know, Eddie Kingston was amazing. Um, John is great. <clears throat> I, I I think that the I Quit match was, was a really good choice for them. Uh, it's very clearly their style of match that they that they did as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going off that, I, I still think... I, th I think I'm still a stickler for that old tradition that the the world championship should go on last with a few rare exceptions where you could bump that down because one of the things that I'm sort of disliked with WWE over the last couple of years is that it's rare now that the their oldest running and most prestigious belt is rarely ever in the main event now. Um, so it, it does kind of feel like it cheapens what should be the top prize slightly. Um, but I, I do agree that like I think it should most that should always be a main event thing, but. Now and again, you could swap matches out. I, I definitely could see your argument there that maybe the tag team match should have headlined it. But again, I think for me, the World Championship match had a way better... If you're going off build from recently, this had a way better build going into it. So I was I was perfectly fine with this main event. And I think it was a pretty solid match and um, they did some really interesting stuff with it. My one thing with it, though, is that given that a year ago we saw... What was pretty, which was a fairly brutal match between Omega and Moxley in the Lights Out match, that they didn't really push it as much in this one. I think there was some inventive spots, but I think, like, given the two wrestlers and their history within sort of brawler and death matches, that they didn't go as full on as they could with it, especially when you compare it to like last year's main event match with Moxley and Omega. I think that's why. I think the there was a lot of. It, it backlash may not have been the word, but it was caution with that after that match. Um, you had a lot of a lot of people saying, you know, I'm not sure about this. I mean, it was built as a 
unsanctioned match you know it didn't it doesn't count towards um uh towards the rankings it doesn't um you know it, it didn't mean anything in, in terms of opportunities supposedly um but there was definitely a little bit of pushback on how brutal it looked uh safety wise it was probably not as bad as it seemed oh yeah yeah i mean like i think that's the cool thing of AEW is they are willing to have those more adult contests for that audience but like it's clear they're not gonna take it to the level that you would see in something like czw you know like there was obviously a lot of stuff there that obviously wasn't like legitimate but i mean i'm not saying that they could have gone as heavy as they did in that match because like i like you say i did remember seeing um like i say not necessarily heavy criticism just a lot of people unsure about it but i think they could have pushed more but again like the spots they had here were really creative like i loved the main one for me was when moxley got dropped in the tax and then he had the medical alcohol poured on his back it just kind of like harkened back to you know death matches where you see them rub salt or squeeze lemons into the wound so i thought that was pretty creative well it was kind of it was kind of him to uh to to clean his wound yeah exactly you know he's just helping his friend out at the end of the day yeah yeah so clearly there wasn't as much hatred there as we thought oh very kind yeah yeah my my favorite uh thing about moxley matches is just um uh uh, listening to his uh, his wife renee on uh, on twitter just have just have a meltdown every time because of because she knows she's gonna have to uh nurse him back to health afterwards she's gonna have to deal with that shit the next day <laughs> <laughs> no her, her commentary is absolutely hilarious and stuff. What, what didn't she say that her mum was watching the pay-per-view as well <laughs> I've always wondered what like conversations must be like when he like they go over to visit her for dinner and she'll just be like, "So I, I see you got put in thumbtacks again." <laughs> they, they had those two as part of one of I don't was it Total Divas one of the, one of the reality shows that actually ends up doing better numbers than their main show, but um, they had them on there and you could tell it, it just. It it really didn't click with him. That wasn't his kind of the the dudes from CZW. He's not gonna he's not gonna really vibe with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was good, but um, yeah. I mean, again, another good match, and I think again, it. I mean, part of me was wondering if maybe Kingston would get the upset win because the momentum he's had and he is high priority on people's lists at the moment, especially PK, but um it, it certainly didn't make him look weak in defeat i think he's going to continue to be like a new top property for them and again it's just going to be interesting to see what they're going to do with him in the future i think it looks like we are getting him versus pack given he kind of came in and took over the stable with pack's absence yeah yeah um i mean do you think that him and pack are going to end with an alliance or do you think him and pack are going to end with kingston on top or, you know, pack on top, I suppose. It's hard to say. I mean, part of me could see it maybe, again, a situation of them splitting up the factions because it seems like Kingston has more of a connection with Penta and Phoenix and Pack with Butcher and the Blade might be a better fit. So you could maybe have those two teams just going at odds with one another. But it's going to be a hard one to pull because, again, they've got 
you don't really want to see Kingston go through another big loss after this, but then at the same time, you want to see Pack get his momentum back after he's had to sit out most of this year. You know where I'd where I'd take Kingston is I'd have him take the FTW Championship, which is not recognised, but you know, it, it's very much in fitting with um, with him that the the Taz belt. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, try and maybe at least do something with that essentially meaningless million dollar championship. You know, it's. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think them having a program at least is is probably the way forward. It'd be a good way to keep them both on TV because they haven't done much with Brian Cage. And, like, I'd, I'm not a huge... I don't know much about him, but, you know, look at the man. I mean, I think I'm... Yeah, I'm kind of the same. So, like, I, I, and I've heard of him, especially with his work in Impact and the like. And what I've seen so far, yeah, in-ring work's good. It's just the rest of the package i'm just not on board with i think i think we had a conversation when he debuted that i just he just looks like the most generic wrestler you know what i mean there's nothing that makes him stand out which i mean the only reason that's helped these things have helped him is that he's obviously had um taz being his mouthpiece so i mean i'm i mean i'm, I'm hoping we'll still see some good stuff out of it yeah i mean he looks like a generic wrestler if that generic wrestler did steroids since he was three years old <laughs> yeah that's essentially what it is he's just it's just a jacked default d character on like a smackdown versus raw game <laughs> i think i think pairing him with eddie kingston giving him some kind of mic breathing room to, to 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 create a program and go with it um i think that would i think that would really work but but uh they, they finished off the pay-per-view after that match with um uh kenny coming out confronting um moxley yeah uh, again i think i think we all saw this rematch come in and like we said before i think it is going to be a case that omega does get the belt i mean the, the i can see it kind of i I'd, i've legit put my money on the match happening at revolution where i could honestly say that's what was going to happen but given that it's building only into a couple of weeks from now with the start of December. Part of me thinks, are they going to put the belt on him or is it going to be a case that they might just continue their hangman Omega feud without it? I'm not entirely sure at this point, but I still think they're going to put the belt on Omega. I think they're going to put it on Omega. I think they're going to pull out some of the stops. They're going to have the Bucks ringside um, to, to truly reform the elite, you know, as, as the, the top, the top champs there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull out some kind of, oh my god, who is this here, type of thing, um, like uh, like like someone comes out at the end to be the next challenger or something, but I, I do think it's going to be his crowning, even if it's on TV. I mean, maybe part of them really want to do it on TV just so they have more eyes on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we were saying, like AEW is one of those promotions where you only get like a big pay per view every four or five times out of the year so it makes sense that they would still have these big matches and title changes during episode, random episodes of dynamite i think that's why it makes it such compelling tv to tune in because you will see these big title matches and you will possibly see a title change of that caliber on the show so i'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it though it should be a fantastic match excellent uh anything else you want to mention about the full gear uh no it was it was it was great 
Excellent. So, uh, bringing things to the final segment of this episode, uh, this is going to be a new thing that we're going to be talking about uh, ideally every episode, and it's called Matches You Need to See. So, what we're going to be doing is every episode we'll take it in turns to pick out a match that we think that you should be watching at home, whether it's a mat classic or one that's just got some great comedy in it. Could even be a match that is just such a train wreck that you just have to see it for yourself to believe it. So... Uh, I'm going first on this episode, and I've picked a match that's very near and dear to me because this was the match that essentially got me into wrestling, and it is the six-man Hell in a Cell match from Armageddon 2000 featuring The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, The Undertaker, Triple H, and Rikishi for the WWE Championship. And yeah, like I said, this is the match that got me into wrestling, and it's it fits perfectly well at this current present in time because it's basically nearly 20 years since I first saw this match. Um, so I would have just been seven year old, seven years old at the time, and it was quite a, it was quite a touching thing. It was a sort of passing of the torch moment kind of thing because my brother was a wrestling fan back when he was a kid and it was teen, so he would have been well into his teenage years at this point and was kind of getting out of wrestling. But I remember vividly, he must have recorded it off the TV because we had it on a VHS tape, and um, yeah, I remember him showing. I don't remember much of the card from that first watching. I remember I think he just like skipped through most of it, but. Talk about a perfect show to kind of get me into wrestling because he kept stopping occasionally because they had segments of the previous cell matches up to that point. So one of my first memories was Mick Foley getting chucked off the top of the hell in the cell. And as a seven year old, my mind was just completely my mind was just completely blown as to what this was. And yeah, from there it just kind of basically made me the lifelong fan that I am to this day. Um uh, had you seen the match before we picked it for the show? Yes, very long time ago. That was, I think that was probably one of the matches I saw on tape way, way back when. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's how I obviously got my eyes to it. I mean, whether he recorded for TV or not, I just remember having the VHS tape, and afterwards I just re-watched it over and over again until it was probably worn out. But it's one of those cell matches that people don't look back on as fondly because, in truth, like even I can admit that it is kind of a car wreck in the terms that there is just so much going on it's hard to keep up with but i think it's a car crash in all the best ways like there's the action that's going on and it's kind of like the perfect summation of like an attitude era match because you think at this point uh the year 2000 was kind of a big banner year for wwe i mean this is when the attitude era was probably at its apex and then after this it would go into 2001 which was kind of the bow out year for the attitude era and when you think about the shows that follow this, after this you had the 2001 Royal Rumble, then you had No Way Out, then you had Mania 17, so it was like one hell of a hot streak for WWE pay-per-views. Yeah, um, the the one thing when I was re-watching it that I, I didn't really, you know, I, I just saw a lot of big names when I, as a kid, and I was like, this is amazing, this is great. But the one thing uh, that strikes me is I'm trying to think of another match, like a single match, that has as many big names and and as many icons and charismatic people as that match has. Um, like when you when you say when you're in a match where the eighth yeah the eighth weakest person in the match is Rikishi, you've got like a, a really good goddamn match right there because rikishi i love rikishi um but you know you've got 
Um, I, the, I'm counting eight because you know events came out and um, uh, and Cactus Jack came out. Mankind slowly came out. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like you can't. There is certainly not many examples of a match that has this star caliber attached to it. Essentially. Again, like I love Rikishi as well, but he's kind of the odd man out of this lineup. But even then, at the time, there was he was in sort of the main spots because this is what's like completely crazy about the match as well. I don't think there's ever been another match that tried to combine three storylines into a big finale because at this point you had uh, they'd come off the back of the Austin hit and run thing, which was originally him and Rikishi until you found out it was Triple H so that ignited that feud. You had the spill off of that where it was the rock and rikishi feuding because rikishi said he did it for the rock and then you had kurt angle and undertaker which was basically centered around the fact that kurt angle messed up his bike and bought him a moped as a replacement so <laughs> there were like the three bigger stories of that year that were kind of all thrown together for one big ending which again i don't think they've ever really kind of attempted that kind of thing since yeah i it's it's crazy to me that you can have a match with six people where, where if you tried if you paired every single one person with another person in like a singles match, you like it's a dream match practically every time. Um, like, God, I mean, even just having The Rock and Austin in there is 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 madness. And then you you add uh, Angle, who's one of the greatest like pure wrestlers ever. You have um, you had the Dead Man version of Undertaker. Uh, obviously Undertaker being the greatest character ever in all of wrestling. Um, well, no, this would have been the American Badass Taker. Yeah, well, Dead Man Inc., I guess. Dead Man Inc., yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, said, I said Dead Man. Uh, I, meant, I meant Dead Man Inc. <laughs> but the match itself, um, it starts as most of these matches do. You're just hitting people. Well, before... Oh, yeah, sorry, continue. Before we get to that, I think, I don't know if you caught it, but this match has probably one of the best opening hype videos, like, ever. Um, like, I think I think it's just mainly a thing that the Attitude Era and probably is even at the Ruthless Aggression, you don't see opening hype videos like this anymore. Like, the they use the... Uh, I tried to find the name of the score, but I couldn't remember it. Um, but it's, like, a very sort of... Uh, operatic orchestral famous score that they have over the top of this action and they build that they do what's great about these hat packages is that there's three storylines here but then they build into this combine them into this one mega storyline so going into it you have vince not wanting this match to go ahead because he thinks it's going to be a bad investment having six of his top stars in it getting injured but them all beating the crap out of him because they want to be part of it and the big thing going at this is this is when Mick Foley was commissioner and he said if someone got seriously injured he would resign, which goes in after the show. So yeah, the the hype package to this show to this match in particular is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, the hype hype packages are somewhat a lost art. And it's it's strange because WWE still have the team to be able to to pull them out of the bag. Um uh, AEW are doing a, a few very cool things that way. But um but yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing lives up to, um, you know, my way or the highway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's just the thing that kind of lived and died with the nineties and early two thousands. I think, given like the culture at the time, the videos fit quite well because they're very fast and energetic and get you pumped up. And I mean, maybe I think they could still fit with that demographic in this day and age. But I think 
yeah, it, it is something that's just been massively lost over time, which I, I always hope we will get to see a return to. Um, but yeah, you so you were saying about the start of the match. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess we'll just go. Let's go like a few beat for beat type things. It starts off much like these matches do. It's just a brawl. Everyone kind of fighting with everyone. Um, I mean, I guess I guess there's three stages of it. They start in the cell. Um, they move outside of the cell. They move on top of the cell. Well, four stages on top of the cell, and then they head back to the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, on some it is just from the word go. Soon as Austin blindsides Angle outside the cell, it is just it is just full pelt. Like it just doesn't slow down. And I think you've got to at least give as much props as you can to the camera crew because I imagine it's a ball ache of a task filming just a standard one-on-one cell match then you throw in four of the dudes and they're all scrapping across the thing like props to them for covering as much as the action as they could because i would have not liked to have been a cameraman on that day trying to capture all the big spots of that match oh yeah there's there's so, there's points where um austin is like is it's as if he's walking through the uh the cameraman on the corners when he's um, messing up Triple H. Um, one of the, one of the things that I think is just so great about all six of the men that were in the match um, is uh, you know you, you talk about Austin fighting um, uh, fighting Angle on the outside, like because Angle doesn't want to go into the into the cage, and each each character that comes in has their own so well defined mood and um sort of mindset going in it it's it comes off so well um and then obviously you know match starts and it's brutal as as absolute fuck one of the my favorite spots from it is um just just like how good they are at the at the pageantry of it at showing it off at the you know like it's a panto type thing where um austin gets triple h and he he just grinds his face against the uh the uh the the cell and he does it a few times and he keeps going and then finally he decides i'm gonna i'm gonna rub his face on this wire on every single wall and he just leads him all the way around the cell as it's so great because that it's like a Mexican wave of the crowd as they cheer as it goes by. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's like one of my favorite spots of it. It's just like he he's clearly just dominating Triple H enough as it is, and he just thinks, ah, oh, well, fuck it. If I'm already doing this, I'm just gonna go for a whole lap of the cage. Um, it's just outrageous. Um, I think the selling in this match is really good as well. Like. I think I think it's it's one of those matches as well where it, it could be easy given the names involved that some dominate more than others, but I think everyone gets a good moment of like getting the licks in as well. It's very back and forth for a lot of it, um, especially with you know Austin and Triple H. So obviously when they eventually because this, this is the one thing that doesn't make sense about the match. So as mentioned, the big story going into it is Vince didn't want this match to go ahead, so like he comes out with the stooges and a truck intending to pull the cell down to stop the match which makes little to no sense because he would essentially be dropping the thing on the talent and doing exactly what he doesn't want to happen (laughs) not just that 
on the audience as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it just makes little... It doesn't make much sense other than a way of just getting the door off the hinges so they can spill outside. But then, again, when that does happen, Triple H has merely had his ass kicked inside the cell, but then he drops Austin's head right through the car windshield. So, no, through the car door, sorry. Um, and I think one of my favourite spots in it, which, which they did replicate a few times, is when they've made their way up to the entranceway, which was... So, yeah, so 2000s, but it's when um, Austin gets that kind of boom camera and just launches it into Triple H. <laughs> oh, yeah, the big crane arm camera just throws it straight into him, yeah. Yeah, they, they do that spot a few times because then it's just purely for the fact you get um, the replay of that camera and then it just basically looks like a crazy roller coaster ride that's just clashed into somebody. I, I just love that little thing. I don't know why. It's just really fun. Um and again, like, I mean, imagine being these performers and then you've got to wrestle on these junked out cars as well. Like, the amount of windshields and windows. I think literally everyone in this match takes a spot of going through some kind of car window. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you've got... Because in, in wrestling, you've got these over-exaggerated moves. It's, it's much like um, the difference between uh, a play and a movie. Where in a movie you just you do a punch and then the you know you edit it in, but in a play you've got to wind back, you've got to pull forward. It's it's the pageantry of it. It's like letting people know what you're doing. There's a point where uh, Austin is is fighting trips by the cars, and he he picks up a massive barrel like goddamn Donkey Kong, and he he leans back um to like swing into him, and he literally the weight of the barrel tips him all the way backwards, and he's like he falls onto the car. Um, and then he still like heaves it forward, doesn't even bring it close to his body. He's still like extended out all the way down, swing down, hits the car. It's that's perfect. It's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just tries to yeet that fucking thing, and like it's like one of those things with Phil Pointer. It's like, well, that must have been a fake barrel. It's like, no, you, you can tell by the way he's really struggling to lift that thing, and by the way it lands. That if he if if that had fucked up and he'd actually hit him. You, you would have seriously fucking hurt him. Yeah, it was close as well. He, he rolled right at the right time. It was great. Yeah, it was really well done. Because, um, I mean, it's the thing with this match is that if you're coming here for this match to see moves, you're going to probably be very disappointed because like, the whole point of this is it, it's just a brawl. Like, it, it's meant to be this big blow-off match where they're basically just going to literally try and kill each other. They're not going to wrestle. They're put in a match where... Because this is the thing, by this, they're still at this point, Hell in the Cell was the big blow-off match because this is the second one they had this year this was the same year where you had the cactus jack triple h one from no mercy which retired making i use finger quotations for that um but even then like at this point this must have only been maybe the fifth or sixth cell match at this point it still had that reputation of being their most brutal stipulation and i think this i think the reason why this one shouldn't be so overlooked is that this kind of proves it because they they do just go absolute hell for leather throughout, and I think every single one of them's bleeding by the end of the match. Yeah, um, in terms of like, if you're looking for moves in this kind of thing, it's just not going to happen. You you get in these kind of matches, you get punches, um, big spots, and finishing moves. That's about it, uh, and that's honestly all you need. There there was enough story being told. Um, eventually you know when they work their way back and they do that spot in multi-man matches that they often do where it's trading finishes um the crowd is so hot for it 
and I was I was as well when I was watching. Yeah, absolutely. I think before we get into that, I think one thing I love about this was when I rewatched it not long ago was I I I I, I, I never realized how much I missed the old look of that original cell because it's clear that must have been the same one that they'd used the previous matches and you you just get you just get the image of like how battle worn that cell was like like you see the one now and like to be fair i do like the red one i think it it looks pretty cool but with that one you generally got the grandiose of the match because you saw like the rips and the mesh it, there's history to it you, you could feel yeah exactly you can feel the history coming off it i think that's one of the biggest problems with um hell in a cell being a pay-per-view and not being a, a gimmicked match that comes out because you're just expecting it it's like yeah you're gonna bring up my the, the freshly painted cell that we all know and uh, bruh i just yeah yeah <laughs> i mean again like it's, we're never gonna see the days because i mean the, the thing was with the cell match by that point is that it became a foregone conclusion that someone was probably going to fall off it at some point which does happen in this match even though they did obviously try to do it as safely as possible which we'll get to but yeah uh it, it, it was just it's just so it's just so good to me i think i think i think a lot of people have a great with the ending because obviously not only was the truck there as a setup to pull off the door but what i quite liked about the, with that ending of rakisha going over the top is that they do kind of tease a lot about who might be going off because i think eventually maybe with the exception of the rock nearly everyone's on top and they do kind of little teases here and there about who might be going over um it, lo it looks pretty apparent that a lot of them are absolutely shitting themselves up there which you would be given the history and the fact that, that this match has gone wrong for people in the past before without you know with fully going through the roof and how that wasn't planned and stuff so um but yeah obviously it leads to the big climax well it's obviously not the end but it's like the big climax people are expecting with rikishi very being limply not even choke slammed off just kind of pushed off which you, you, you kind of can't blame him for um apparently with that though even though it's clear that they tried to give him a cushion landing enough i think apparently it really did fuck his back up after that i don't think it was the same again after that yeah watching it it sure they they tried to gimmick it and make it soft but he it the momentum just did just stop that it didn't seem like there was that much padding to be honest i literally think it was just sawdust i don't know if there was anything else under that like i i could just see them thinking hmm like what could we do to sort of cushion his landing and then they just had bags of sawdust at hand and we're just like yeah that'll work and Clearly, it wasn't enough because when you see him hit the truck, you see it, like the suspension on it, like proper dip. So, yeah, I mean, props from for taking that, and I hope I hope it didn't fuck his back up too much following it. But apparently, yeah, it it, it didn't do him any particular favors after that. We suffer for our art. We suffer for our art, indeed. Um, yeah, and then obviously going at the finish, there was like you say, it was kind of what you wanted. It was very much. I love the finish because obviously Kurt goes in as the champion of this and you'd think the odds are stacked in his favour and this was obviously his... He'd only debuted at the start of... Was it the, was it the, was the end of 99, wasn't it? So he'd essentially been on a full year at this point and done everything. But um, he was kind of the cowardly champion and I, it was kind of like a good finish where you see them all hit the moves and at the end it's just Kurt limply rolling his arm over the top just to get the pinfall victory. 
Yeah, I, th- I think it was um, really solid for the character. Doesn't make anyone look weak. Um, it, yeah, it, it was just really, really solid finish. Uh, oh, I mean, to the match that happened 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, again, it, it's, it's a match that I think, again, because 2000 was that year where the Attitude Era had probably reached its apex, and 2001's kind of the bow-out. It, this seems like the most fitting match that you could point to as being like a defining match for the Attitude Era because you had essentially pretty much six of the biggest names associated with it. Like you can kind of say what you want about Rikishi. And the Hell in the Cell match, which was basically birthed in the Attitude Era, it's pretty overbooked in parts. The fact that they try to cram free storylines in there, but. And then the thing with Vin trying to pull it down, it, it, it just kind of, I think, is kind of like one of those perfect matches to show people about what the Attitude Era was like. It was frenetic, it was not always the bestly handled, but you still loved it anyway. It was just pure entertainment at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, what, such a great crowd for it. Um, there was a, there's a point as well where JR was so like on it with commentary um he they were they're on the roof of the cell and he's screaming he is going absolutely insane um on his commentary it's it's just so engaging no absolutely i think this is like 2000 was probably the peak year for jr again peak year for jr and king as commentators um because it wouldn't be long after this that uh king would be gone for a year do the thing with his wife getting let go and we had which is probably my favorite team of him and Heyman but yeah like they're both absolutely on point for this match um it's it's always one of those things where you hear JR and AW now and it's still great to hear him but then you just if especially if you're like you and me who grew up with JR back at this point you just think whenever you watch the back you just think oh like he was just so perfect a commentator like there'll never be another JR no, uh, best of all time. Uh, I don't think there's anyone who really could dispute that. Um, but uh, but yeah, they he, he gets the cowardly win, and then uh, of course to send the fans home happy, uh, you end it with uh, a Stone Cold Stunner and hit his music. Yep, absolutely. And again, just a great match. And then it's just the fact the stuff that followed after this. I mean, I mean, like I said, this is the match that got me into wrestling, and I pretty much watched it like maybe a few days after it happened. So imagine just finding this product and then you follow that up with the 2001 Royal Rumble, which is probably in contention for the best Rumble of all time. No Way Out, which is just a low-key, really good B pay-per-view, like one of the best. And then the best WrestleMania of all time in WrestleMania 17. So it's it's easy to see why, again, a lot of people won't look at this match as fondly, but I do because this is the match that not only got me into wrestling, but it came at such a perfect time because... Everything that followed it was just absolute pure gold for the company. Yeah, hundred percent. Brilliant. So, uh, fantastic. I think that's gonna do it for this one. Uh, anything you'd like to end on there, Garrett? Um, you know what? Here's where I want to end it. Uh, I'm glad that we just have an excuse to to chat to each other about wrestling again. Absolutely, me too, my friend. Um. There's lockdowns happening and we live on opposite ends of the country now, but this is like a damn good way for us just to get together and share in the thing that kind of made us become friends in the first place. And um, as we said at the start of this, it's it, this is essentially a pilot episode for us. So we want people to kind of give us some feedback on it and see what they would like to hear from us in the future. But going forward, we've got a lot of great ideas and we can't wait for people to hear them. 
yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're just doing it because it's fun. Whatever comes of it, comes of it. Um, I just I just like talking to my boy. And I love talking to my boo as well. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. Cheers. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and I'll see you soon. You too. Uh, and also the, f- uh, the viewers as well. Yes. Thank you for joining us on this viewers. Take care.